Hello, and welcome to Flourish, where we explore how to nurture, coach, and inspire the children we love at any age to let their genius thrive. I'm your host, Diane Planadin, and our goal is to reach a global community on how to bring out the best in our children. So let's dig in and discuss as a community how to really bring out the best in our children and let their exceptional talents surface and develop, just like a flower. They'll blossom. It's Halloween in Canada in a few days, and I can hardly wait to see what those little goblins and princesses are dressed up as this year. It's always so exciting and interesting to see how creative children can be. Sometimes they just want to be a little cow or a little kitten and sometimes they want to be a superhero. It's really a lot of fun. I really love it when the teenagers still come knocking on the door because they have a totally different perspective than say a, a six-year-old and their creative energy can be amazing and I reward that with a full-size chocolate bar. So thanks for still coming out and entertaining us from door to door. It's a shame we can't give out apples anymore. It's become a, a little more of a safety feature than anything else, but the natural sugars of the apple would be, be the ideal treat. A little tiny chocolate bar isn't bad either. As long as you don't eat the whole pillowcase full at once, Okay, pillowcase. Well, there I go, aging myself. And yes, when I went trick-or-treating, I would drag around a pillowcase until it either got too heavy or uh, too um, cold outside to stay out anymore. But it was fun. I find it quite interesting how different families have different approaches to treats, especially around Halloween time. And for us and Nicholas, we took a pretty relaxed approach. I believe that people usually want what they can't have. And that pantry door was always open for Nicholas. If he wanted to have a treat, there was the door. If he wanted to have ice cream, what flavor? And because of this approach, it really worked well for us because he didn't, he didn't feel deprived of treats. And he didn't go out of his way to have them all the time. Because it really was nothing unusual or special. And because of this approach with Nicholas and his disregard for the novelty of chocolate or candy, he actually became quite the entrepreneur around Halloween time. He would sell his candy back to his dentist. And I was actually quite thankful his dentist had that service program in place. I believe he got a dollar a pound, so Nicholas was usually motivated to collect as much candy as possible so he could perhaps buy a, a video game instead of indulging in candy. I quite like that. 
Myself, not so much. I would hoard my candy. I would hide it somewhere in my room so I could savor the flavor until Christmas time because that would be the next time I was getting candy in large amounts, of course, but it was, uh, it was kind of fun as a kid. I had a lot of siblings, so you had to get creative. And I remember in school at Halloween time, oh, it was so much fun. We could dress up and have parties and we got to really create different things. But one thing that really resonated with me when I was a kid was one Halloween, we, I think I was in grade five, we wrote a poem. And the poem fit inside this cutout black cauldron. So my poem went something like this. Take two eyeballs, plop them in, throw in a spider and one pin. Watch your cauldron until it bubbles. Make sure it does, or you've got trouble. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I do. So I think that's why my favorite costume of all time ever is a witch. I'm always a witch. I, I try other costumes, but I always fall back on the witch. So this year for Halloween, I'm going to be a witch. In the last episode, I discussed my Halloween tradition also of the gingerbread house. And when I think of haunted houses, because my gingerbread house would look a little haunted, I also think of escape rooms. And that is a modern day invention, sort of, with, well, I'm gonna say I didn't quite get it at first. I didn't understand the appeal on being locked in a room for an hour with your friends or your family and having to decipher code in order to escape. It sounded a little creepy at first to me and I thought, what do I get? A flashlight and a toothpick? <laughs> like, how am I going to get out of here? I don't know. Then I started hearing stories of people that were attending these locked rooms and escape rooms and <laughs> being trapped without no way out. And I thought, why would you want to do that? That really sounds freaky. And they don't escape. I thought, well, why did you just pay for that if you weren't successful in your adventures? I guess I didn't understand it well enough. So when Nicholas came home from university for a mini break, I asked him, why are these creepy little rooms so popular? Why is everybody, you know, going there in droves? He'd never been. He didn't know. Oh, that sounded like a perfect excuse for us to do an excellent adventure. After all, the writer Eden Philpotts used to say, the universe is full of magical things, patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharper. I think that described an escape room very apropos. Not knowing what we were getting ourselves into, we just drove to the closest one. I guess we should have made an appointment. <laughs> we didn't even think about that. We just went in, 
Imagine our surprise when A, uh, yes, we do need an appointment. We do schedule these things. And B, um, where's your team? There should be a minimum of four people. Oh, well, we'd failed already. We hadn't even begun our new adventure and we'd failed. But they had a room available. And after a little chit chat, we discussed pros and cons of trying this room on our own and decided to go for it. We had heard people don't escape after an hour anyways, not even a group of four. So what do we have to lose? This was our first try and we took the opportunity as it was now quite fascinating. As we entered our very first escape room, we were in awe. I couldn't believe it. This wasn't just some creepy dark room with flashlights and puzzles. This was a room transformed into an Egyptian tomb. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Good thing I knew my way around ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Something I also learned in school, so that was kind of cool. And then there wasn't just one room, there was three rooms and we had to unlock the locks to get from room to room because um, there was these secret passageways. We needed to solve puzzles, not only with our minds, but with physical shapes. And there was a story with hidden messages and meanings that gave us some clues. So you kind of have to read between the lines. The, there was sand on the floor so it was really quite uh, immersive in that regard. And scarabs. Yes, there were scarabs that provided the clues. And you had to collect so many scarabs. And the third room, the crowning jewel was a sarcophagus. I can't tell you any more than that because these rooms need to be a secret. The true discovery for us was actually figuring out how well we worked together, how our minds thought differently, and how we communicated throughout the tomb. Besides my understanding of ancient symbols, it turns out I'm very hands-on. I get on my knees, I look in every nook and cranny. Where's Nicholas? He could read a clue, use a black light, or just look at a lock and understand what had to be done. So as I hunted and gathered, he deciphered and analyzed every step of the way. I will admit, I had to defer to his way of thinking as the leader in the tomb. And I was okay with that. Yeah, we were a team. You see, this, this escape room, our first try ever, really brought out our strengths and our intuition, our little spider senses, where you really think differently in these escape rooms. It's more than puzzles. It's, like I said, teamwork and logic, brainstorming and riddles to be solved. 
but most of all, it is the triumph and celebration every step of the way. And we did it. We escaped with time to spare and we were hooked. But why? Why are these escape rooms so popular? Why were we loving these darks, sometimes haunted escape rooms that love to trick us around every corner? It was a mystery. So I looked up online, what really is behind the escape room ideas? And there's a company in Atlanta, Big Escape Rooms, and they, they actually had a really good article online, the um, neuroscience behind escape rooms. So I'm gonna give you a, a little Reader's Digest version of that. What I love most about the article is how it starts out that it's a treat for your brain. Positive mood, concentration, improved memory, heightened skills, all due to a dose of dopamine. Dopamine, a natural occurring neurotransmitter your brain releases to positively encourage beneficial actions. Aha, there you go. So whenever you have an experience that provides instant gratification, voila, you are having fun and becoming a sharper learner. As a result, you are motivated to be challenged when victory is celebrated. Yes, and we must celebrate our victories. Do it every single time. Even every time you unlock one of those locks, every victory should be celebrated. Next on their list was communication and how important it was to work as a team, even if it's your family. <laughs> A big part of that is also listening. Listening to each other and brainstorming solutions and ideas. Even if you don't escape, you'll come out learning different or maybe even better ways to communicate. Practice makes perfect. One interesting correlation they make is the proximity principle, which Ken Coleman has recently revived. Want to be a better swimmer? Surround yourself with water. Want to be a better cook? Surround yourself with chefs or just cooking shows. Want to improve your problem solving skills? Do escape rooms. A very honest correlation indeed. Stretch your mind and the way you approach a problem. No one's going to give you the combination. You have to figure this out yourself. Teamwork is essential in escape rooms. And the only time Nicholas and I haven't been able to complete a task in an escape room is when it literally required a third person. So lucky for us, the people who work there were willing to help us out during that part of the problem solving. They didn't tell us when it would be, but we figured it out because we literally had to use every limb to push all the buttons in order to move in to the next room. That one had a lot of lasers and it was this life-size virtual labyrinth maze, which 
I guess, goes back to the Greek times, Greek mythologies, the labyrinths. So I guess these have been around for a lot longer than I just thought of. <laughs> it's all in the details. You find yourself crawling, crawling under tables, reading backwards and decoding like a spy. When you think something is decoration, think again. The most amazing escape room Nicholas and I ever did was called The Babysitter. And thankfully we had two of his friends with us that day because we couldn't have done it, just the two of us. It was two rooms that were uh, literally polar opposites. And one room had daytime, one room had night. The first room had uh, a song playing forwards and the other room the song was playing backwards. And it really, really needed our focus. It was... <laughs> It was so amazing. And those were the obvious ones. You really needed to have laser focus in this, in this escape room. And time is of the essence. So when you're in an escape room, these puzzles can become a vortex. So much so that you'll start overthinking it. Sometimes it's a little obvious but you must think bigger than your environment and manage your time very well. Nicholas and I have developed our own strategies and use our strengths to first decode the room and secondly, unlock the clues as quickly as possible. Be prepared for a cryptogram. There is definitely an allure to secret codes and metaphorical messages in the world of escape rooms. With a common goal and a clear vision, escape rooms are fun and immersive, stimulating your brain. No treats required. I highly recommend that you give it a try with your child and, and there's different levels of escape rooms. So depending on your child's age, pick an appropriate escape room. I think they also do birthday parties now, which would be super cool. I also recommend you look for the ones that have really interesting atmospheres. We did a Hansel and Gretel one once, and that was, <laughs> that was so much fun. But it was only one room. And now that I've been to escape rooms with two or three rooms, and some magical movements going on. It's a lot more intriguing when, in, when the escape room has, has the atmosphere. So look for that. You know, you're not in there to break the Da Vinci Code, but you are in there to work together as a family and spend time having fun. And it's not that expensive. So if you're going to splurge on entertainment, instead of dinner out or movies, try an escape room. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Once you get past that creepy thing, right? Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I so appreciate it. 
and I wish you all a very safe and happy Halloween. Let's hope it doesn't snow. You know, we are all born with a gift. We are all born with purpose. Life's journey is to hone and develop that gift as purpose changes within. Thank you, Nicholas, for your music composition. And remember to think greater than your environment. Edgar Allan Poe has good advice for escape rooms. Believe nothing you hear and only half that you see. I think that applies to life in general. Well, my friends, live well and please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Together, we will reach a global community to nurture, coach, and inspire our precious children to thrive and develop their hidden talents, their gifts in life, because when they do, it's magical. We'll see you next week.